Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, I have known him for years as an unbelievably talented actor and writer, but in 2020, his impressions, which is a season, he's up to 16 at the time of this episode, that are his views on what is going on in our culture done with such humor and intelligence and this uncanny ability to understand what is going on in our culture and put them into comedy and this form have made him a social media star. His stories get a million and a half views when he puts them up. They are called impressions, and you have to just go to his page, JT Firstman, to really understand the brilliance of them. But I'm so proud of my friend, and he is a true inspiration, and I love that Jordan Firstman is on the podcast today. A-OK. A-OK. Jordan Firstman. Welcome to Little Known Facts. <laughs> <laughs> You're in LA. Yeah, I happen to be. How long ago did you wake up? I actually, so I had, just to go straight into my uh, psychology, I, the night before last night, I had the worst night of nightmares that I've had since I was a child. Have you have you had like a, a night of really bad dreams recently? You know, the reason I have had less of that is because I don't think I'm sleeping deep enough or long enough to right. actually get into a dreamscape. But I've had very strange dreams, but yeah. I can't tell what's my dream and then what's me being yeah. awake. Like, yeah. what's the difference? Can you, is it is it okay to share what some of the dreams were or is it too... It was- it, I was talking to my friend about it last night because we were trying to unpack it. I think that it's – I have energetically opened myself up in the last couple months, and I think there are maybe – I've, like, opened myself up too much, and then there are things trying to, like, get to me. Not to speak too witchy about it, but, like, it felt like a haunting that night, like the whole night, I was like, oh, I'm being, there is something trying to disturb me right now. Um, like this isn't just like a bad dream because it was the entire night. Like I had like sleep paralysis where I like, there was someone in my room trying to kill me. And then I had to unfortunately kill them because then they were going to kill me. And then they truly, br- <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> they truly, I put them in a bag. I somehow put them in a bag and they burned to ashes in my hand, Alana. Oh and it, my God. And no one, no one cared. Like my neighbor was like, what's going on? And I was like, this person is burning to ashes in my hand. She was like, well, can you like be quiet? And then, and then I called the police and the police started laughing at me and they were like, how much do you pay in rent? Cause if you don't pay enough in rent, then we're not going to come. Could you see the face of the hunter hunting you? Um, you know what? Now I have like a vague memory of it, but now that you mention it, like when I was in the like sleep paralysis, it was like the back of his head. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and then and then like I woke up and I I was like, who will be up? I you know I woke up and I was like, oh my god, it's probably like four thirty a.m. We're gonna have to like just stay up for the rest of the night. I look at my clock, Alana. It's twelve fifty nine. And I'm like, you- God damn, I'm gonna have this is the whole night now. Like Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then what did you do? It's twelve fifty nine. You've been asleep for one hour and all that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was I literally couldn't like find reality again. I was like, I don't know if I'm in a dream state still, if I'm like yeah. if I'm there. And so I called my friend in Berlin who I was like, I think he'll be up in the, cause it's the morning for them. He calmed me down a little bit, but he was kind of like, okay, you had a bad dream. Why are you calling me? Yeah. Um, and so we talked for a little, then I put on, um, then I started looking at TikTok cause I thought that would like lighten the mood, but then that yeah. made me look insane. Yeah. Um, TikTok is insane. Yeah. That's and not that antidote yeah. no no and then i finally put on 30 rock which worked i was like this is like a comfort for me like this is something that i can watch all the time and like it is just like i know these characters and i know these people so it, it was a comfort to me so that's but, a show that you watched like that was one of your shows yes that was that was huge for me in high school and then it it's kind of remained the one show that i go back to it's like my comfort food it's like right sometimes sex in the city speaking of yeah. um, <laughs> sometimes it's sex in the city sometimes it's 30 rock I think like those are the two comfort comfort going to bed foods for me okay well here's what I want to say if this ever happens again and it won't but if it does yeah. I do not care what time of day it is or night you can I don't live in Berlin I don't (laughs) care if you wake me up I probably am up anyway I am always here and I just need you to and and now I will be held accountable because globally when people listen to this they'll be like Alana you said (laughs) why did you pick up but I mean it like let's just start with that um because no one should feel alone when they're scared and I feel like you know, when you talked earlier about like something coming for you, I remember when I was living in LA, I saw this therapist who was a Jungian therapist and I liked him a lot. Um, and one of the things that he would do when we would do dream work is he was like, you are everyone in the dream. So it's not mm-hmm. like, right. And so I remember one of my dreams was like about Peter Gallagher. And I uh, was like, huh. Lucky <laughs> dream. <laughs> what like what is it what part of me you know whatever my fantasy of Peter Gallagher is um w- what part of me is kind of talking to me right now and so needless to say you are you have um exploded into the cultural zeitgeist right now um you know when you talk about what you look for for comfort you are that for so many people right now, like in their anxiety ridden, like there's a pandemic on a pandemic on a pandemic right now. Yeah. Yeah. And your ability to use, and we're going to talk in a minute about how and when we met and sort of what the like narrative of your life has been since then, because it's so different in so many ways, um, except your heart and, like your huge loving heart is still so intact. Um, But, you know, you have done 13 seasons of your impressions now. Wait, do people Uh, people cry on your podcast a lot? Yes, always. You're already making me cry. Go on. (laughs) Great. And we are done. See, that didn't take long. Um, But I do feel like it's so crazy to me how many people send me your content not knowing that I know you and it's like on a constant rotation of people like sending me stuff to feel better by watching (laughs) and the idea that this thing that is like this emotional bomb and release is Mm -hmm. you 
I want to say is I like look back makes complete sense and no sense at the same time in terms <laughs> of what your trajectory was yeah. as, and I don't know if people know this, Jordan Firstman has one of the greatest singing voices on the planet. And when I met him, he was, were you like, did you leave your freshman year of college when we did me and Miss Monroe? Sophomore year. So it was, Sophomore I think, year. 19, probably 19. Okay. So Jordan and I met doing a workshop of a musical called Me and Miss Ron, Me and Miss Monroe, directed by John Rando, yep. um, with a bunch of wonderful people, Rachel York playing Marilyn Monroe, uh, and Jordan was the lead. And I played his mom, and it was a love fest. It was an immediate, like, nothing happened with that show. But what happened for me is a, a lifelong friendship now with you. So 100% worth it. Um, <laughs> but at the time, you were like, I went to a camp called Stage Door. It was my life. Musical theater is my life. And every time you opened your mouth to sing... I couldn't believe it. And then you were the nicest person ever. And then the acting scenes would happen and you'd crush it. And you carried the show and you were amazing. And then that show didn't continue. Yeah. And then next I know you've moved to LA. So can you fill me in? Yeah. I mean, that was, I, so I left, I left school to they do that. They convinced you. They convinced you to leave school. Well, it was it was a bit of both. I was like really not um not liked at the at the school that I went to. Um I like they just they I think the problem was they they understood what I was and they I was seen as a disruptor to mm -hmm. to like if you think of them as like an authoritative government, like right. I was the anarchist. Right. And like just by me simply being myself, that was a threat to everything that they had set up at that school, if that makes sense. Can you say what school it was? Um, Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. And like, right. listen, I don't, I don't hold like, it's all part of my journey. I don't hold negative feelings towards them. I will say yeah. they made my life really, really difficult there. Um, like I was always told that I was just like, like doing it wrong or something. I was always made to feel like I was wrong um, for wanting to be different. Like they literally, the head of the program literally was like, I just don't get why you want to be different. I'm like, girl, like, isn't that what it's about? And then, what are like, examples that they saw is so radical in you just trying to be your authentic self? I think it was like a, like a deep knowing of, of how I speak and the language I use and the things that uh, an example is we had this uh, class called song study song, whatever. It's like, we, we picked a song and we'd have like a theme and then we do it. And the theme was fifties. And so I, and a lot of those songs are really cute, but like reductive. And so I picked the song poison Ivy, you know, that song. Yep. Um, and I like, made the narrative that I had an STD and it was like about an STD. Right. And so I like, you know, I was like itching all over. I ended up like itching down there and I like started like taking my clothes up by the end. It was like a fun version of the song and I failed the class because of it. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. They were just like, just do the, just sing the song. Like, why do you have to make it like that? Right. Why do you have to like push the buttons or why do you have to like, you know, turn it on its head in that way? Right. Why are you trying to be so shocking? Yeah. And I, I think that it, you know, for a while I did, you know, and I have it in me to, to, to shock, but I've kind of learned through my life and career to this point that the things that are more subtly shocking are, are more impactful anyway. So like, I, I get that, but I was also 18 years old. Like exactly. I, you should be allowed to figure out what you do at, in a yep. school and like yep. figure out what is working and what is not working. I should, you should to fail because you made a strong choice is, uh, should be punishable by law. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but what's remarkable about that is at the same time when I met you, you were the most professional young person. So you the irony is if they are looking to kind of groom someone to be yeah. able to work in the real world and know how to work on a part and work as part of a company and be number one on the call sheet and all the things that you were asked to do at that very young age, at the very beginning yeah. of your career, you had all that in you too. Yeah. So yeah. And I've it, always been, I had always been ambitious and professional. Yeah. I think, I think that, and you know, like they, they really made it seem like they, that I was not talented. Um, like I was never, I was never cast in anything. Like I was just not made to feel talented. And then when I ended up leaving to do the show, um, the head of the program called me in the office and I was, well, I, I went in and I was like, well, I'm not coming back after this. And the last thing he said to me, um, after making me feel not talented or special for the last year and a half, he was like, well, just mention our school when you're on Letterman. And I was like, you motherfucker, you knew. Wow. You knew this whole time that I was special. Like he yeah. had he admitted that he knew. Yeah. So and what like, is that? What is that? Yeah. What game is that? Yeah. And I did. You know, I, I just made my first late night appearance this year. Yes. <laughs> and I did not. I did not. No, mention. you did not. Um, in, in fact, we're mentioning it now um, <laughs> in a different context. That so so when so you know that show. I mean, there it had so much potential. There was so much talk of it moving and having yeah. a, a life. And like so many things, it didn't. Yeah. Um, did you go to L.A. right away after that? Or did you stay in the city and, and start auditioning for other things? I, I, stayed, um, I stayed in the city for another... Sorry, I just got to turn this fan off. Um... I stayed in the city for another, I would say, year. Okay. I, I, and I went, so basically, like, I was like, that show was so special and fun to me. I was like, oh, I could do this. Like, this feels right. Yeah. Um, and then I went directly after that to do a summer at the St. Louis Muni. Was that a good experience? No. That's what made me quit musical theater. Okay. I was just like oh, like, if this is going to be part of it, it's not for me. And what is the this that was a part of it? I Singing? singing? I mean, <laughs> Music? Honestly, like, being in a random place in the chorus surrounded by people who were not like me. Like, mm -hmm. musical theater people just didn't, as I continued to grow as a person, they felt less and less like me. Because when I was at Stage Door, they were all they were all like me, and it it really is like just case by case. Because to this day, they're still my best friends, and they're right. still they're still like me. And so, but I think the majority of musical theater people are not like me. Um, like if you had to distill it down to what the quality is that you're thinking of or describing, like. Is it Larry Owens? Yes. Right? Like a great yeah. friend of yours, right? Yeah, From that yeah, time right. of your life um, and others. So yeah. obviously he's like a very funny person and a musically talented person. Mm -hmm. And there's a sensibility there that um, you connect with each other still. Yes. Um, so like... And we don't have to stay here in this negative space because so many grand, wonderful things have happened once you made that decision. I am only sad because the idea that everyone doesn't hear you sing every day bums <laughs> me out personally, but I can just ask you to sing for me and then, you know, I'll be well, okay. It's funny that you mentioned that because a narrative that I am trying to put out into the universe that I have been for a long time is, do you know Natalie Walker? Yeah. So it, me, Larry, and Natalie were like a threesome. Like we're okay. have continued to be. So like I'm trying to manifest in the next ten years us who have known each other since we were 14 years old doing merrily we roll along on Broadway. 
okay. It's I'm gonna happen. Yeah. It's it gonna, happen. gonna happen. That's it's an like, amazing idea. Cause it's like we we truly like did it. Like we we and like in a couple years, like we'll really have because we're all we're all doing it in different ways and we're all experiencing success in different ways and and we're seeing how that affects our friendship and like we're living the show. Right. That's what I was going to ask if there's yeah. been some uh downtime <laughs> where totally. things don't feel so simpatico for the three of you. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, there's okay. definitely been especially between me and Larry, like we've had a lot of rough patches, but I feel like, you know, we're, we're both in a, we're both becoming adults right now. We're like right in that period where you're like, yep, I'm, 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 that happened and I'm coming, I'm, I'm like, I'm becoming something yeah. and we're in a really good place right now. And we, you know, we talk all the time. So when you were young and, and were you always writing because you have this incredible career as a writer and and this really original voice, both comedically and then deep, deep themes about queerness and how to be in the world with like such shocking honesty. So mm. when did you start writing? I think that I always respected, like the way I came to theater, I think, was even more because Sondheim like completely changed my life. Like that mm -hmm. was that was the thing that was like that's why I thought I wanted to be in theater when I discovered company. I think like all of the shows I loved were were writers' shows, you know, yeah. like the yeah. writing was the star of the show. So I think like it words and the way that they can make you feel they've always been the driving force for me. And like just the most accessible way in for me as a kid was performing because it's like, you know, there's not community film school, there's community theater. Right. So I went into that and, you know, I and I loved it. I mean, like and I still You're from Long Island, right? Yes. Yes. So you were doing community theater in your town or around your town? Yeah, I mean, my my poor father was driving me around all of Long Island for years. I mean, I would right. make him drive me every weekend at midnight to do Rocky Horror and pick me up at three a.m. every Saturday. But he did, like, he, but he did. You love him for that. Yeah, you gotta love him for that for sure. He did it. <laughs> he put so in the time. He did. He did. Um. So so. But go back, go back. So Sondheim and words and writing and story. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like vaguely writing in high school. Um, like I was, I was like a, my, I went to a performing arts high school and I was a film minor. Um, and, you know, I would write like monologues and stuff like that. And then when I moved back to New York, then I started writing more um, when I was getting into comedy and stuff, writing sketches. And it wasn't, but it always felt like, oh, this feels really good. Like I, mm -hmm. I like, I like doing this and I feel like I'm good at this. Yeah. Um, but I just had told myself that I was supposed to be an actor or like something else. So you know, I moved to LA with that. And then within a year of moving to LA, I made my first short film. And that was the moment I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm definitely, this is, this is what I want to be doing more than and anything. When you got there, literally, like, who did you live with and, and how did your life there begin? <laughs> yeah, I, I moved with a bunch of actors. Um, and, Ugh, I don't want to like offend offend them by saying this, but like I knew I was like these are temporary friends. Okay. Um, <laughs> like it didn't feel completely right, but I'm like they're here and yeah. like they're nice and and like this these are the people that I have. Yeah. Um, but I've always been like I've always been pretty good at making friends. You know, like I I started going. I would say I moved in September. I started going out to like gay bars in 
December. And immediately that was when like my new friends came and that kind of started me on the path to all of this. So you, are you living in West Hollywood or are you just visiting West Hollywood to go out at night? Like what was your... No, never West Hollywood. It was a, it's a bar in Silver Lake called Akbar. And that was, that was the bar I would frequent for okay. years. I mean, and my is that first- where you lived? Is that the neighborhood you lived in? Yeah, Silver Lake. Okay. Okay. So, but Akbar and Silver Lake, like that becomes the beginning of like forming a community, finding a neighborhood, finding yeah. your people. And that's where you start writing. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first, it was the first of like many, many communities that I've, I've weaved in and out of and, you know, different, you know, facets of, of my life that, you know, now I'm in such a different place. Um, but they were, there were so many different eras that I'm, you know, I'm grateful for, but, um, you know, people just kind of come in and out of your life. Yeah. And you sometimes create with them. You sometimes just hang out with them. Um, but sorry, now there's a I, the noise thing is is a problem. That's okay. Do you know what this is? Um, recording in the time of COVID, and so every real life sound is just part of the charm of the experience of not being in a studio. So don't worry about it unless it's um, making it hard for you to hear me or concentrate. Don't worry no, about the trash moment that was made it hard for me to keep okay. up that I was on. Okay. Um, but now I feel like I'm, I'm okay. And I can get back there. Okay. Get back there. <laughs> Were you um, dating a lot of older men when you got, you know, some of your earlier work is a lot about sort of, uh, generational politics yeah. and storytelling. Um, is, yeah. is that something that you were experiencing? And was that something new for you? Even dating in general? I mean, I dated a little bit in New York. Um, I can't even remember. Oh my God. I remember I met a boy and I like, I told him, I told you about him. I'm just remembering this. Do you remember okay. this? Okay. Yep. And I was like, Alana, I'm in love. <laughs> yep. And that lasted for like two weeks, probably. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if it was even two weeks, but yes. <laughs> but I was so happy for you. You were. We were all so happy. We were all so happy. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. But that was the beginning. And that yeah. was, you know, when you were dating so boys since people. Then your age at the beginning yeah yeah i mean i learned how to be gay my first year in la and then and then i i did i went to europe for three months at the end of my first year of la and that really taught me how to be gay like could you write a book how to be gay i mean i could write a book on how i have learned to be gay i'm actually writing i am writing a move i wrote a movie um that's kind of like a, a gay teen sex coming of age story. Great. Um, and I used a lot of the stuff I learned, honestly, in Berlin. Berlin was like my sexual awakening. I went to Berlin for a month when I was 21. And I like, I was like, my mind was completely blown off my head. I was like, I can't believe this exists. Well, first of all, did you go by yourself or did you go with friends? I went by myself. So you're like, I'm going to go to Berlin. I was like, I'm going to go to Europe and and see where that takes me. And then I just kept extending and extending. And when I got to Berlin, I was like, oh, well, I found my place. And I just. So just like stream of consciousness, what what memories? Because that's a few years ago now. Like what what are you remembering when you say, like, I found my place? I mean, I it was the first time I took drugs. Um, it was the first, um, like dark room experience I had first group sex, like first time seeing people like truly be completely free with their sexuality. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm like, <laughs> all right. So you have this. So, so I think a lot about this cause I'm a mother and I don't know that like at 18, I'm going to stop feeling like ownership of my role as parent. 
when yeah. you are, and you've always been like a really independent person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, have an interesting family story. And um, when you are on this adventure, are your, I ask this as like a future parent of a 21-year-old, regardless of where he or she decide to explore themselves at that time. Are you like, are they keeping track of you? Are you in touch? What happens? I think they learned from a very early age that it's a pointless battle with me. Like they're not going to know what I do and like, that's just who I am. And yeah. I think, I think that that's putting it on me. I think that there's also some form of maybe narcissistic tendencies that make them not able to focus on me um, in a real way. But I think if I'm going to, if I'm going to put the ownership on me, like I have always been I was going I convinced my parents I didn't have high school on Fridays <laughs> and I, I would go I would take a train into the city on Thursday night and come back Monday morning where were you I was like at my stage door friends houses I would sleep there I would you know go out drinking I would you know yeah I was like living a life I, was, right. and I, I just wanted to <laughs> I got it. So do you, you come back to the, you, by the way, when you had this rough night the other night and called a friend in Berlin, is that someone you met at this time or is this someone from a different chapter in your life? This is a different chapter. There are so many, there are so many stories I feel like I could tell you. I mean, I feel like you bring out something in me that just wants to tell the story of my life which is very, very rare. I've been doing a lot of talking to people recently and I'm finding that I have to be really delicate with my energy and my stories because some people frankly don't deserve it. You know, yeah. like if someone isn't going to be as thoughtful as you in, in like taking in my story and taking in the energy I'm giving them, it's hard for me to want to give that to them. Right. I get that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And and are you on like, is there like a PR tour going on as all of this stuff sort of yeah. erupts in the way that it has? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the anxiety is coming from right now because I am really tired and I I think it's like all of the all of the fame stuff is like I was just riding it so hard the first couple months. Yeah. And I now it's hitting me a little bit and it's causing, you know, just some feelings, naturally some feelings. And I also have this responsibility to, like you said, uh make people happy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm not feeling so happy. Um right. And so sometimes I, I'll, I'm doing this press and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about positivity and I'm like, send, I'm spreading my message about like, about expansiveness and, and wanting to be in the world and wanting to like experience joy and, and giving it to people and, and that flow between it. And I know I believe in these things, but then sometimes I'm not feeling them, but I was I was feeling them so hard for a couple months that it became my like Bible or the language that I was using to describe what I was feeling. But now um, I'm just, I've been in a kind of uh, weird two weeks where I'm not feeling connected to the universe. And I'm like, I'm feeling in between something right now. Um, so it's a little, the press has been a little weird for me to, to like talk about something that I'm not feeling. Right. Well, look, here's the great news. And I noticed that you did this and it may or may not be connected to your, your feeling about outputting your stuff right now, but you, you posted sort of a greatest hits of your impressions recently yeah. sort of picking i don't know if it was based on your favorites or or fan favorites but yeah. that's the really great thing when you produce the amount of content that you've produced sometimes if you feel pressure to keep having stuff out there you can do exactly what you did which is sort of catalog some things that you know work and will 
will make happiness happen, whether yeah. you are, you know, I'm not saying that's why you did it, but I'm saying what a great thing to be able to do, to have made so much work that you can have reruns, basically. Yeah. It's like you're yeah. in syndication yeah. already. Yeah. And, totally. and the way you went back to, you know, 30 Rock, because you were feeling awful, people can go back to these impressions and kind of have that same experience, even though they've already seen them. So I just yeah. want to say what a great, smart thing in terms of just taking a beat. Tell me a little bit about, and we're going to flip-flop a little because, I mean, there's just so much. Maybe I'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll rest and we'll pick it up another day. But this this ability to kind of, you know, something that happened before Impressions came out was your love of Laura Dern translated into kind of this really big moment. Yeah. Um, and, and like, that's fascinating, right? Like just yeah. that whole <laughs> crazy thing. Can you just tell a little bit of that story and how writing that, um, you know, song basically at the yeah. award ceremony, I, I'm not going to tell your story, but just tell, Tell yeah. everybody what happened because it was kind of the beginning of what is now the, the yeah. big moment. We thought yeah. that was the moment, but guess yeah. what? That wasn't even the moment. That wasn't even the moment. And and Alana, I, I venture to say this might not even be the moment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that this is the beginning. I think the Laura Dern moment was the beginning of a moment. This is the middle of a moment. Yes. And I think that yes. the next iteration of of this will could be the real moment, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, or just another great big moment in a great yeah. chapter, like that first yeah. trip to Berlin. We don't yeah. know where it's going. No, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so that was, that was probably the craziest, most intense two weeks of my life. Okay. Because on, on Sunday, on a Sunday night, um, after an eight month kind of, decision-making process that included me going to Peru and doing ayahuasca, me having this journey of, am I going to break up with my boyfriend? Um, I broke up with my boyfriend on a Sunday night, monumental, monumental uh, shift in my life because it's right. my entire adult life. Right. Big relationship. Big relationship. And you work together, not just- together. Yeah. Our entire friend group was together. Every It was me deciding that I like- my entire life is going to be different now. We yeah. we had a movie that like had just basically gotten financed that died when I did that. Mm -hmm. So like four years of work kind of like down the drain. That was Sunday night. On a Tuesday, I had I haven't had another show that I based on Call Your Father the Short that I had been developing for four years. It was the like most arduous process of my entire life. It broke my heart over and over and over again. Um, it was finally at a network that it felt like it was going to happen. Uh, on that Tuesday, they called to kill that show. Uh -huh. And then the next Friday was the Laura Dern song. So it was like in the course of eight days or something, the mo the like worst things that could ever happen to me happen. And then like, I felt like that song happening in the way it did. It was so easy. It was like I I pitched the idea and Aubrey Plaza was literally like, "Go, go do it." And then was all it, this, yeah. Wait, was it the Spirit Award? Wait, which which award ceremony was um, it? Independent Spirit Awards. Yeah. Okay. And why are you in the writers' room for that show? Had what was even what were you doing there? It was just like a fun little job. Like I Aubrey knew me and my work, and just uh, she. You know, I was just going to write jokes for Aubrey. Okay. Like a one week or one and a half week job. Um, so I was like, yeah, this is fun. And then I pitched that idea and then it became, I ended up uh, having like a producing credit on the show because I produced that song. Like I made that song happen. And the song was just for people listening. Of course, you can Google and YouTube and all of that was this idea of kind of uh, parsing out gay moments from indie film that year. And yes, right, not everyone were gay. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wait, say that again, because I think I talked over you. So say that again. It's the gayest moments of the year that you might not have realized were gay. 
exactly. And they're <laughs> random and hilarious and exactly spot on. And you, <laughs> and then you decided, what if we added to that song all of these moments, including Laura Dern, and yeah. she was nominated. Yeah. Um, in a marriage story. Yes. And it and the gay men's health chorus is going to sing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is, and and is that whole concept your idea or just yeah. the Laura Dern part? The whole thing. Yeah, everything. I was like, I mean, it started with me being like, I want the gay men's chorus to come in and list gay moments. That's right. how it started. And then as I was writing it, you know, like I had so many. Like there, of course, it was like Adina Menzel and Uncut Gems, and I had all the lists. And then, like, there were so many gay Laura Dern moments in that movie alone that I was like, "Oh, this has to end in just Laura Dern." Now, do you feel like if if you were like Wikipedia and you were going to describe what what is a gay moment? Like, do you just understand it deeply in every fiber of your being and then other gay friends recognize it also? Or are you like, like, how does this happen? I, th you mean like the song or the, or the what you point the moments you point out, like when yeah. you say like, of course, Adina Menzel and Uncut Gems. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. I think a lot of people will know exactly what you mean. And I mean, a lot of people won't. But do you think if you're not gay, you can't understand that? I mean, I, th I think it's hard. In the writing of this book, the, the director did not understand what I was talking about. Right. He was like, why is FKA Twigs talking about snakes gay? And I was like, just say that sentence. FKA Twigs <laughs> talking about snakes. Okay, but why is Aquafina's rejection letter from the Google like why is that gay? It's cultural specificity. Okay. That's what that's what queerness is to me, is like a real cultural awareness. Right. So like someone getting someone the specificity of getting rejected by the Guggenheim is so like high class problems, like that's what makes it gay. It's okay. like the fact that like we that we're spotting that it's like funny to get a Guggenheim rejection letter. Do you know exactly. <laughs> it's so brilliant it's so perfect i knew you would be able to distill it down and put it in a sentence for like a dum-dum like me to understand and it's it's amazing so then people what happens is there's like a thousand of these incredible laura moments and then laura dern who's in the audience is standing up and freaking out yeah and are you watching, like, where are you when this is all happening? I, I wanted to, like, I wanted to be in the room. So I was standing in the back of the audience. So I didn't even see her reaction um, until uh, much later, until till it came out, like, on, on Twitter or YouTube or whatever that night. But people, I, I went backstage and I was like, how did it go? And they were like, <laughs> she freaked out. It, it went good. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it it's was really good. Oh, when you're in the audience, like people right. were definitely laughing. Right. But I mean, that was such a crazy moment. Like I was so proud of that song and it really felt, I mean, it also like started me on this journey to like the, this path of joy. I was like, mm -hmm. I gave, I gave her and these people like joy and like, I am actually capable of that. And like, I didn't realize that I was capable of that. I thought like, Cause you look at my film work and like, it does skewer a little more negative. Mm -hmm. And I thought that like to expose truths, like I want to do, I needed to do that in a negative way. Yeah. And like, I learned, I learned that I had the capacity in me to like make people really feel happy. And still, I still feel like I'm exposing truths, you know? Yeah. And, but at the same time, I'm making people happy. And like, I think there's merit to both. I think like, you know, exposing it in a negative way is important too. Um, I think I'm just in a phase where I really want to explore like what what I am capable of in terms of of bringing people joy and like bringing the light in um, and still teaching. <laughs>
So you do this thing and then Laura Dern acknowledges it, right? Yeah. I mean, she she loved it. I mean, of course. It's like yes. I and I How knew this is a high, high honor that honestly has never been done before. No actress has had a gay men's choir chant their name at an award show. Like this has never been done before. Yeah. And then and she wins an Oscar like the next night. So she's having a great weekend. Yeah. And then it's her birthday. Like yeah. it's great to be Laura. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She had a really good weekend. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it also like just brought in uh because I had been I had been told for years that like my gayness was not universal or like I was it was too niche what I wanted to talk about. And when I fucking straight up listed gay moments and then everyone in the fucking saw that video, it like really everyone saw that video. Yeah. I was like, no, guys, like you're wrong. I'm right. This is like culture is queer now and like people can't accept it and like this the the amount of people that responded to that video was like proof that what i'm doing is universal and like i don't want to be told that it's not anymore because i know like yeah. these executives don't know yeah like right. I live and in that's important to say because this is right on the heels of your show your gay yeah. show being yeah. rejected and yeah. whether they said that was why or not that's what yeah. happened yeah i so mean what yeah. an affirmation yes exactly and it was just an affirmation like i not to get too much into my relationship because i don't think i'm allowed um mm -hmm. but like there was a sense when i broke up with my boyfriend of like can i do this alone i was yeah. made to feel that i couldn't yeah and that was a sign I did that song like that was there was no relation that was like me that was all like, you of course there were like there you know I had co-writers and the the guy who wrote the music like there were of course collaborators in it right um but like that was it was my vision and it was my idea and so like it was very affirming to be like okay I got this like I can do this alone so what was the first impression that you posted and yeah. how did it even like what's happening in your head when this when this the it genesis was, of this thing so i posted them to stories not my main i put like for a week i posted them to my stories the first one was i think it was an uh impression of a celebrity on instagram live mm -hmm. and they're just listing names like hi david hi Jeanette. <laughs> hi rick from ohio um, um, and so I did one every day as kind of like a creative experiment. And then I posted them all together. Um, season and one. season one, and it just immediately did well. I mean, not to the level that it is now, but like it had more, more attention than any other post that I've ever posted. Yeah. Um, and then the second season was when I think the second or third, I think it was the second season, somehow Ariana Grande found it. Uh -huh. And that was kind of the beginning of all of it. Yes. And, and when then, you're like the banana bread's publicist, yeah. what, like, where in your beautiful head, like how <laughs> does that happen? It. Some ideas come from me, like by association. I'm like, what is hot right now and what's the twist that one i just like it that idea just like came to me it's so funny because i i pushed i kept pushing that one i have yeah. like this document of of ideas and like some of them just like keep getting pushed and like banana yeah. breads just kept getting pushed and then i did it and i was like oh this is kind of lame like is this like cheesy and then it ended up being the like pro it's probably the most talked about impression to date uh-huh um but yeah i mean it's so it's that one had such a weird life it's because i also like still don't 100 percent believe in it like it's not my favorite what um, is your favorite who i you know i like all the existential ones i think one one that i felt like uh people didn't appreciate enough was uh my impression of someone being truly seen and accepted for the first time 
No, that's the best one. That's the best one. Yes. I love that one. And they're like, thank you, thank you. Actually, fuck you. Fuck you. You don't know me. You don't fucking know me. Yes. It's so good because it turns so exactly at the moment it would turn. Like it's like that perfect, it goes right all of a sudden and then left. And it's so (laughs) brilliant. Like the evolution of what that is. Is yeah. so, and then you, you know, and then was it risky to do the black box? Did that feel risky? Do you ever feel like in this moment of like yeah. tremendous sensitivity? Yeah. Do you, you know, most comics don't worry about it, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing. You just have to be brazen and tell your truth with integrity. Um, yeah. And it has to truly be funny. Yeah. Um, but do you do you ever worry yeah sometimes mm-hmm. i i i that that series that season of like the you know black lives matter and just socially what was happening yeah i felt that was probably the season i felt most in my heart like these were like i was really expressing my feelings in that season. Like I had so much pain and anger and like sadness during that time. And like, I felt like that was really a way to express the things that I was feeling. And like, I was, I was nervous about it, of course, because like I am doing something funny in a very not funny time. Um, but I felt like the things that I was standing for were on the right side. And so they were embraced. I was really relieved and, and happy about that, of course. Um, but then, you know, I've had, I've had one, even like the one last week with the making fun of the challenge, like the person being challenged. Yeah. Like I was a little nervous about that one, but I'm like, it is funny. (laughs) Like, And that one ended up doing really well. Yeah. I mean, how many people are watching these things now on average? Like each round gets like a million and a half views. Now that's bananas. Yeah. And so do you get recognized? Like, listen, you know, we said at the beginning, you, when I met you, uh, I was most blown away by your talent, right? Like your crazy talent. But you said earlier that you also felt ambitious and ambition in a career in the arts often, you know, goes hand in hand with fame, right? And and most writers are not recognizable in the way, you know, that you are. You are now the face of your writing. You are, you are your writing and you are performing it. So are you getting recognized? I mean, are you going, well, actually this is so crazy because you don't leave your house much, right? Yeah. yeah. So- I mean, that is the crazy part that I became fame, quote unquote, famous completely alone and like didn't get any of the, I think it actually is probably for the best. Cause like I'm yeah. a, I'm a partier. Like I would, yeah, I would be crazy. Doing, yeah. And so like, I think like all I can do is put it into back into the creativity. Like I'm yeah. using the I'm getting and just putting it back into the work. Yeah. Um, there's no distractions. But I will say that I think the craziest thing that has happened to me yet was at the end of May, I like finally decided I was like, OK, I'm going to like just go to the woods and like and go with my friends. And it was the first time I had left the house mm-hmm. and we went on a backpacking trip um, by um, Lake. Uh, oh, my God. What is it? Arrowhead or no. Bear? No, not that area. Farther up, farther up. Um, okay. Oh my god! But in Northern California. Northern California, like above Yosemite. Um, yeah. So we were like on a twenty-mile backpacking trip, only ones in the woods. We like, you know, we're probably twelve. We're, we camped out twelve miles in, and we were there for a day. Hadn't seen a single soul yet. And then, like, we see our first like backpackers walking by. We wave to them, and they're like, "Oh my god, you're the guy from Instagram." wow you're like yes yes i am because it was like the week it was the week of banana bread it was like the week it really blew up yeah i was just like what the fuck i'm like literally in the wilderness right now do you write um 
on drugs or drunk or sober? Does it matter? Um, it's it's really case case by case. <laughs> I I I was experimenting with microdosing LSD the first month of quarantine. And so some of the imp- are some of the impressions. Oh yeah. From that oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you scared to do it without that? Like, are you like, wait, is it going to be as good? I was scared, but then I've I like haven't done it in the last month and a half, and I I feel like the impressions have stayed to a certain totally level. amazing. Yep. Um. So I think I'm good. I think it's like I'm curious to see how I will like bring them into my life, like whether I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, I really felt connected. I felt connected to something when I was doing that. And I didn't feel high. You know, you don't feel high because you're taking such a low dose. Yeah. You just feel like a little up. It's like, it's like a, it feels like a cleaner version of Adderall maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt super creative and, and great. I don't, I don't usually do the the secrets that I do. Those I kind of have to do a little bit drunk. Okay. <laughs> like I I'll have I'll have some wine to do those, yeah. but otherwise, like I don't I don't write under on I don't write drunk and I don't write um on I can't like smoke weed and write at all. Meaning for for these projects that you are in partnership yeah. or being paid to do. Yeah, for writing, writing, like yeah. I need to like sit down and like just do it. And and do you write in the morning or do you write at night? Like, do you have rituals that have to happen, or is it not? It, is it not organized in that way? It is. I my best my work comes like noon to four. Uh huh. Your most like prolific the, time. Yeah, that's when I get the most done. Like I feel like up till noon, I'm kind of like just like bullshitting around, checking my phone, being on the internet. And then after four, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of just like, don't want to do this anymore. So I try to get like a lot done from noon to four. And do you have a different feeling about social media now that the impressions have found such a a, a huge audience? Has it changed your feeling about social media in general? Totally. I mean, like, it's really hard for me not to think of it as a positive place and on my page because I'm getting so much positivity back. So it's like when people are like, it's the most negative, worst place in the world. I'm like, I get that and I see that. But like my experience right now is is so positive that it's hard for me to not see that. Like I am like I'm connecting large groups of people and like bringing them happiness. So that is part of it. I think it's just like, I I've said this before, but like, I just think it's a complete extension of us and humanity. And so it's going to be all of it. It's going to be the best and the worst of humanity. Are you surprised at how unbelievably funny you are consistently? Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I still like, don't think I'm that funny. You know what I mean? You just think like, this is how I observe this and I'm just saying it. Yeah, I think I'm smart. I definitely think I'm smart. And I think that like I have, I have access to a, a depth. I think that I can see, but it is hard for me to like think I'm funny, but I like that other people think I'm funny. Yeah, I think you're really (laughs) funny and really deep. I think you are one of the most honest people I've ever met and and one of the most loyal. Your friendship and your looking out for me and checking in on me um, always, I just have to say it means so much to me. And I just love you and I cannot Thank you enough. And I hope you'll come on again because this is like, there are so many chapters and stories just (laughs) in your like day to day that I just, I wish I could be with you more and do them with you. It's so crazy. I cannot wait to get to hug you in person and um, celebrate all your creativity. And um, I love you. And I thank you. you.
I thank you too. I'm so I'm so happy that you're in my life and I met you. I mean, I like really you're such a grounding force. I need to we need to talk more. I feel like you're just someone that needs to be in my life a lot. Hey, before I sign off, I just want to tell you guys one more thing. I have a new podcast out. It's called And the Award Goes To, and you can find it on the Broadway Podcast Network or really anywhere you listen to podcasts. It is an incredible journey that I take with 10 Tony winners where together we listen to their speech that they made the night they won, and then they just take me through their entire Tony experience, how the role came into their lives, what the role meant to them, what the challenges were, how it felt to be nominated and more unbelievable, how it felt to win, and then what it is to wake up the next day after your lifelong dream has happened. Then what do you do? This 10-part limited series is something that started as a love letter to the Tonys when they were canceled this year and just turned into this whole other adventure. I'm so grateful to my guests, all of whom you love as much as I do. So check out And the Award Goes To. You're really going to enjoy it. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.